This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. Welcome back to the Publicly Challenged Podcast, folks. This is Luke Oswald, and I'm sitting here with the other host, Clay Bowers. <laughs> What's yeah. up, Clay? It's been a while since you and I jumped on and actually talked together, other than our weekly update, which actually hasn't updated yet, but it will very soon. So uh, even though it's what, like a monthly slash bi-monthly update at this point? Um, yeah. Holidays, whatnot, we explained that in there, so... When that drops, it'll explain everything. This episode is just you and I sitting down, talking about some things. Um, maybe one could say even getting some stuff off our chest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the thing that I really wanted to talk about. Do you about, want to ease uh, into that, though? Do you want to ease into um, it? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say we could ease into it later. What I was going to say is I, we can first talk about Florida, but like then I want to give people a little teaser right now and say that what we're going to talk about is my Substack, and that ruffled a few feathers. Um, and that is the uh, the article I had that's titled The Invasive Path to Citizenship. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about Florida. You went down there for a little bit. You were down in Mio, Mayo, Amy, also yeah, known as uh, Miami. That was a little yeah, I went, uh, yeah. <laughs> Miami. That was uh, that was fun. We we went down for four days. It was just me, my daughter, or one of my daughters, and um, and then Madeline. And it was it was a good time. We only went down for four days. Unfortunately, I was able to pick some coconuts and some papaya and. Um, 
kind of look around and see, but I didn't, I, I don't know any foragers down there. So I was unable to have any kind of good time with the, oh my God, you're going to have to edit this part. Nope. Uh, <laughs> my daughter just walked in the room. Just, fine. just started talking to me. Um, we didn't anyway. hear her talking, so it doesn't matter, but we're just going to keep going, man. Who cares? Yeah. So anyway, I went down and uh, yeah, picked some papayas, but I don't know any foragers down there. So and, and Miami's landscape is like freaking tropical and it's like nothing like anything I've seen up here at all. And uh, so I don't know basically any of the plants. I mean, maybe like a couple, like I said. What? Yeah. What do you mean? Because yeah. they're non-natives, Clay? Uh, dare we no. say what why why don't you know any of the plants i thought you were an expert you could go anywhere and identify anything what's going on here? no uh no i actually you know so we did that podcast with arthur and i really uh loved how he talked about how he was like such an expert to the place that he lives and i really feel a lot like like that like yeah i can go to places like kentucky and uh north carolina and teach foraging classes and stuff but um i'm more of an expert here in my environment. So you're saying you go down to Florida and you're fish out of water, if you will. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the plant life is so bizarre down there, you know, um, I'm sure you've seen it, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, and then also the people, you know, you go there and bizarre I, uh, Florida, man. Yeah. I mean, it's always headlines, right? No offense, Florida. We love you. Love coming <laughs> to visit. Who cares? Maybe I'd even live there, but the headline is always Florida man, Florida man, Florida man does this jumping on trampoline naked and, and a cost neighbor or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's always yeah. something, uh, you know, and maybe it's the sunshine just bleaches the brain a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. My, um, uh, I was very excited though to get to speak so, so much Spanish as, uh, as you know, I speak Spanish and, um, I don't get to practice it very often. I've been, although I have been speaking Spanish for over 20 years now, uh, I don't get to use it on a daily basis. So I spoke Spanish literally most of the time, probably more than English on that trip, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Would yeah, you say it was more of a Cuban population or was it just, um, yeah. melting pot? No Cubans. And then there were some Venezuelans and, uh, I don't think I had a I had a conversation with a single Mexican. Well, the good news is, uh, governor from Texas is bussing up, or at least was until the I don't know if it was Illinois confiscated his bus, whatever. But the governor from Texas, Abbott, was bussing up people because of the border crisis, right? And they can't house mm -hmm. all these people. Not getting political or anything. I'm just saying they're shipping a lot here in Illinois. Yeah. So, Come to Illinois. You could probably practice, use your Spanish a lot more um, than you normally would be able to, I guess. I don't know. And yeah, uh, yeah come visit. <laughs> Actually, um, Traverse City is now every year there's more and more Mexicans coming up here for uh, finding work and stuff in a lot of the cherry orchards that we have and the grape, the grape vineyards. And um, it's been pretty cool to see that because now I, I can go to the Mexican food store and you know, get that little burst of speaking Spanish out. <laughs> it, it really is. It's like a compulsion. Like I have to do, like, I, I, I feel like I, I need to do it to keep it so that I I'm speaking fluently and stuff, you know? Understand. Yeah. 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 What do you, what do you do for like uh German or French 
or yeah, uh, you I, know, I, how I do you can't. feel like you speak fluently in any of those? Or Polish? Was there Polish in there? No, 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 no. I no, I'm I'm learning French right now, but because I speak uh, Spanish, it's like pretty dang easy to like uh, uh, translate it over to French in my head. What? Yeah, it's just like I know Italian French... and Spanish are very close. Mm -hmm. like yeah, a but lot French. Of Okay, but French, Italian, Spanish, um, and uh, I believe Romanian, they all have the same grammar. They all use the exact same, like, you, if you make a, a, a sentence in Spanish, you can make a sentence in French. Okay. All right. What yeah. about German? German is totally different. <laughs> German is crazy. Yeah. German is Ten nuts, different man. words to describe one thing. Oh, there's like... Uh, so many ways to just say the, <laughs> depending on where it falls in the sentence. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a wacky language. And uh, I know that this is a hunting, uh, foraging, and fishing podcast, but um, for those of you who are interested, um, languages tend to be more complex with the less speakers. So um, that's why, like, a language like uh, Mandarin Chinese is actually super like basic and easy like as far as like not not its tones but like the words and the expressions and the way things are st are stated are like actually pretty easy to understand because it's um it's the world's biggest second language basically that in english so things that are widely spoken by a lot of people are actually usually easier to speak and then languages like german are super complex because they have such a uh, small supply of people speaking them hmm. so, interesting yeah I, i've been in yeah well I, it's i didn't look at it like that you know so these are things that i read in linguistics uh articles yeah quite the linguist <laughs> I, I like linguistics yeah so whatever all right so um in english we will continue <laughs> this podcast um so all right Non-natives. You found some non-natives down there, and you consumed them. How are they? Uh, did you have um, to shimmy all the way up a tree to get these coconuts? I shimmied up a small coconut tree and then harvested some. And, uh, you know, I also got to say, I'm not good at deciphering, like, what is a ripe coconut and what is not. <laughs> you green, know? green ones depends on how green it is, right? Beyond yeah. ripe would be, like, really brown. Yeah, yeah. That's and, not what uh, I've learned, but. <laughs> yeah, like I picked a couple that uh, I cracked them open. Delicious, you know, like the just the green with the water. Mm -hmm. And then I, I pick another one and it just tasted like salt water. Was it and cracked then, uh, open and maybe it was? No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, uh, and the biggest bummer was, um, so my older two kids didn't come with me because they were at their mom's house. But uh, I brought back a coconut you know, brought it in my carry bag, everything, flew it home. And then me and my son were just cracking it open yesterday. And uh, it was like a dud. There was nothing inside of it. Oh, Yeah, so it had the, it, it came from a tree that had a really tasty coconut mead and coconut milk on the inside. And uh, yeah, we cracked it open and there was nothing in it. Well, that sucks. Yeah, but, it was a bummer. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I've I've had that. I don't know. I've consumed a lot of coconuts, but I never really paid attention. You know, uh, a dude showed me how to shimmy up a tree and you just basically mm -hmm. like lean on your hands and like lift them up and then push with your feet and keep doing that. Mm -hmm. um, wow. 
And yeah, we ate coconuts and drank them. I drank them to the point to where it can actually work as a laxative. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't know that because, you know, you drink one coconut water, not a big deal. Drink about 10 coconuts. It's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How, uh, where was that at? Costa Rica. Oh, in Costa Rica. I believe okay. they were native there. <laughs> no, they're not. I don't think. I, really? I, um, Do you believe yeah. they were brought there then? Yeah. So I, I just did this, um, I just did this big deep dive of reading about coconut while I was, uh, while I was down there. Cause I was like, Hmm, I really want to understand like what, what this is. And yeah, it looks like they originated in Indonesia and kind of, um, people, you know, like seafaring people brought them all over the place. And then, um, I was under the impression that coconuts could just like float on the ocean for years on end and just, you know, hit land and kind of sprout tree, up and yeah. make a tree. And then uh, apparently that's not true. Apparently, like uh, there was this explorer guy, Thor, who sailed a raft from South America to Africa. Okay. He took coconuts with him. And uh, he basically um, said that the ones that were in the hold below, um, they were getting like salt water on them all the time. Yeah. Below ship. They did not sprout. And could not. He said that they they actually just like went bad. Mm, very um, interesting. Yeah. So basically, um, there's this concept that I'm really thinking. Like, I'm I'm curious why people more people don't espouse this, but I think that humans are a vector for carrying plants around the world. Absolutely. And, and but but we, if you if you listen to the way ecologists or uh, biologists speak. They say that like, you know, like when humans do it, it's not, it's not natural, right? I see that's a tough one because it is, right? It is natural if we've been doing it for as mm-hmm. long as we have existed. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. that's a hard concept for people to to grasp onto, you know. Yeah. That that oh well no uh, yeah well I don't care if you say we descended from freaking apes or we were created, either mm-hmm. way we've been carrying around plants, propagating yeah. them, growing them, all that stuff since forever. We are wild tenders, and yeah. and to say, which now it leads right into it, doesn't it, Clay? You framed that yeah. on purpose, didn't you? <laughs> no, I did not, but it you worked. Did. It worked out. It worked out because perfectly. your Substack talks about that and the passport yeah. to. What was it, citizen? What citizenship? The the, inva- the invasive passport to uh, passport to citizenship. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people complain about you know invasive and native, and yes, invasive at times does a lot of ecological damage to native plants or so-called natives, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> sometimes it works out. It's just got to be long enough to where it maintains or, or reaches an equilibrium. Go on. Yeah. Talk about this. Oh, uh, well, so, you know, my, my substack is basically talking about the uselessness of fighting a war against uh, invasive species that we're never going to win. And just basically, like, we need to come to some sort of, like, acceptance and, and change in our heart. And, and maybe that means that we need to fight invasive species to an extent to help save natives rather than fighting a war of eradication, right? So like framing it in a different way in your head, I think does make a difference. 
if you are thinking like, okay, in a hundred years, I'd like to see Otamala be a member of our society, you know, or like the the plant ecosystems, and and what does that mean to you? You know, how does that, how will that look? You know, like is is Otamala going to be something that is going to be present on the landscape, but like not that present, right. you know? And uh, that's kind of the, the thing that I was trying to espouse. And you got like so many of the invasion biologists um like the believers in that in that sort of theory they were just like losing their marbles <laughs> like not even biologists was, everyday people foragers yeah. whoever and honestly though i don't even think half of them read it no i don't think they, so at all they they read or maybe they read like the first paragraph your introduction to it mm-hmm. and then we're like oh, this is terrible and yeah. didn't, didn't read it. But no, I mean, so like kudzu vine or however, however you say it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think I was in like North Carolina, somewhere on the coast. And it was like, I'm like, what are these vines all over? Like just encroaching, climbing up trees absolutely everywhere. And I'm like, what is this? You know, it turns out it was that. And it's like, holy cow. I could see that completely devastates the landscape. Like. I mean, it mm-hmm. just wiped out everything. It was just, everything was covered in it, blanketed. Yeah. And I could see where that's super damaging, but once again, what if you did cut it back, harvested it, at, used it for something? Makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, I'm interested. We're going to have Tom Wessels on pretty soon, right? And um, he he talks a lot about that in one of his videos online is the the concept that like, so if you look at a Virginia creeper, it a Virginia creeper will stop short of the of the canopy. Really? So yeah, so it climbs up the tree and it kind of stops short of the canopy. And he says that's an evolutionary adaptation that basically um so if you're a vine like kudzu, the last thing that you really want to do is like actually smother out your host and then and then fall down yep, on the ground. Right? On the ground. Yeah. yeah, so um he said that what will happen eventually with a lot of invasive vines, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember, is that basically like they will find some sort of equilibrium over time. You know, they're going to um, they're going to basically like have to because otherwise killing your host is not a good thing. I mean, that's not even a good thing for any virus or any bacteria or anything. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So like you want these things that you're literally, you know, being supported by. To be yep. <laughs> to be able to be standing, <laughs> um, and 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 that's like the vine, right? So when you think of things like uh, the honeysuckle or like the um, Oriental bittersweet, you know, I'm sure that stuff is terrible by you, right? I yeah, I hate the fact how hard it is to keep it out of spots you want it out of. Yeah, you can't so, work with it in certain spots. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. don't mind it as a hedgerow, right? Like mm-hmm. interspersed between Osage, fine. But when mm-hmm. it's like somehow it starts popping up in the middle of your yard, <laughs> like there's a problem, and you can rip it out, or so you think, and just one piece mm-hmm. of that root, the next year it's back. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Um, this new house that we moved into has um, bittersweet along the fence. Um, the neighbors had. Somebody, either the people who previously lived in my neighbor's yard or the people who lived in my yard previously, 
planted it on the fence mm. and uh it's yeah it's so resistant i mowed over it that you know, doesn't do all, anything but make it grow yeah. better <laughs> yeah. yeah i mowed I, I mowed it all summer long and uh it's still alive as far as i know uh, yeah yeah it's impossible like i've there's spots where i've cut and then like spot app applied uh um herbicide to it right mm-hmm. to where like over each one touched it sprayed it died and then two years later just came back yeah yeah unreal so so like a plant like that yeah it's very problematic and uh not not fun to deal with but um the whole point that i was trying to make in that article was that plants like even plants like those will eventually come to some sort of equilibrium like they they can't be like that forever it's literally impossible correct because it would make itself extinct yeah so uh yeah but i just you know we had we had all kinds of people just their minds exploding and their emotions just flying and spattering the the socials with yeah uh, with diarrhea of the of the keyboard uh, oh yeah if you will. yeah <laughs> yeah i have uh and then i wrote a fi- a follow-up piece because like i i had uh a lot of people saying like what's the point like a lot of those people like they didn't they didn't get it like i don't know if you read those comments where people were like i just, I just don't get it like what are you even talking about and i'm like okay i don't know how well, that's you somebody who this. doesn't know plants like yeah <laughs> but so so i wrote a follow-up with actual like so there was three plants that i talked about autumn olive uh, buckthorn and garlic mustard and things that i would kind of do to help integrate them Mm -hmm. okay but my opening paragraph says tongue-in-cheek um it says uh my last article stirred up uh, a bloodthirsty mob over at will forage for food on facebook and and, and oh, I, I never see. even looked at the the Will Forage for Food, so I have no idea what that group, how they accosted you. All I saw was uh, your <laughs> your, uh, your Instagram post that was just on your account. So okay, yeah. I don't even know what the other comments were. And if it's, it's a bloodthirsty mob, it shows yeah. how narrow mind. And we've talked about this before with like Patrick Durkin, yeah. right? Yeah, just people are so emotional. And they don't yeah. use logic or rational thought anymore. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It well, really and, then, and then yeah, and then they just like you can't like just disagree with somebody and then just still be a, a friend with them, right? Like, like it's it's like impossible. What do you mean? I'm not saying you. I'm saying like these like people like that with that mindset, right? Like, like me and you. I I feel like I could have something that I don't agree with you on. And then I would still be your friend. Because we have enough common sense to find enough common ground that we can find a solution to the problem or just agree that we have a different thought process on it. Yeah. So on Facebook, the point that I was trying to make is (laughs) so that, that, um, that will forage for food group. I mean, I had people who basically seemed like if they had the opportunity they they would like you know shun me to like the far ends of the earth where i wasn't allowed to speak anymore you know because wow. like because they didn't like what i was saying and and mind you you know just like you said i could tell they hadn't actually read the article that i wrote 
<laughs> you know, they, they're, they're commenting like, uh, you know, commenting with emotion, right? Yeah. Like just, yeah. Let's go into this. Do you think people have been trained to be so emotional they no longer use logical thought? I do think there's probably something to that, right? Yeah. I mean, because um, it, it seems like like our our society is in like a state of hysteria all the time. Yeah, and and like we, um, 2016 came around, and I swear to God, you know, the Trump election. It's just like people bro- lost bro- their minds over politics for years. It barely mattered, other than a few yeah. hot button issues, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. a few of them, and we all know what they are. We don't even have to say them, right? Yeah, One of them yeah. rhymes with smorshin. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> yeah. like, people would lose their minds over that, but didn't care much about anything else. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, media mm-hmm. started putting an angle and just feel. I feel like they opened up somebody's mind and just started shoving stuff into it, and yeah. then people blurt it out and regurgitate it without actually stopping to think. And this is both sides. I don't care what you watch, Fox News or CNN or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's, mm-hmm. it's both sides. It's the media itself. Now, is it by design? Is it by selfish? You know, just I don't even have words for what I'm trying to say right now. Yeah. But any way you look at it, it's messed up. And it's crazy to think that people really, truly don't even think for themselves anymore. Now, granted, social media, everything else, I mean, you're constantly being bombarded, not to mention algorithms of social media are designed to put you in an echo chamber. Uh, It doesn't Mm. help. Yeah. So myself, (laughs) I try and get around that. Yeah, how do you do that? By intentionally liking stuff or looking at stuff that I normally wouldn't look at. Yeah. Now, you don't have TikTok, so you wouldn't understand this, but it's like mm-hmm. an FYP, right? For you page. Mm-hmm. And your for you page is your algorithm, and it's just stuff that you like keeps popping up, and it always feeds you new stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not like social media, like, like Instagram. But on TikTok, like, I'll purposely seek something out and search it, and my algorithm is so screwed up, I think it just randomly feeds me stuff. <laughs> Because a lot of guys are like, oh, all I see is, you know, hot chicks on there and stuff. I'm like, because that's all you look at. Mm-hmm. Like, where did you find that? You know what I mean? And, uh, like, I will intentionally seek out just weird stuff. And then it yeah. just, it's so random. Like, it doesn't know what to feed me. So it just keeps feeding me, just randomly generating stuff and throwing it at me. It's pretty cool, actually. Do you, uh, I explore a lot that way. Do you know that, um, honestly... I get irritated with algorithms a lot, like uh, especially at home with Netflix. Um, yep. You know, you know, you know, you get you get like the same crap over and over and over again, and then you go <laughs> on to somebody, you go on to somebody else's Netflix, and you're like, "Hey, well, I want to see some of these things. Why aren't they on mine?" Yeah, it's scary. It's yeah, scary. So that leads you into AI and the fact that AI can manipulate manipulate you. And make mm. you do things based upon your behaviors online. Yeah, but that see, like to me, I just think it's so stupid. Like, like I don't want. Like, I'm the type of person who, like, I like trying out new things. Oh yeah. Um, and and I like uh, I like differences, and you know, 
I might not like to watch a romantic comedy. You know, like there's that's some what, of them that's that make me. Just, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're great. Yeah, they're classics yeah. in my opinion. But I I know. So, but the point is, is like Madeline's Netflix is full of that, and then mine is full of all this like man stuff, right? But like what? I want to be. Able to, I, I want examples. <laughs> I don't know. You know, like I have like uh, Russian uh, war movies or like. I, I went on my dad's one time and I was like, what are these? Like, I never, cause I don't watch a bunch where I have to like actually read subtitles. If I'm sitting down oh. and watching a movie, like I don't want to have to read subtitles. I'll go read a book. Yeah. But yeah. so like his, there's all these like Russian war movies and stuff on there. And I'm like, where the heck did these, like, what, what is this? Or like German, they're in German or whatever. And, and some of them are actually really good. Yeah. I, so I sought them out and watched them and they still don't pop up in my feed though. but. I see what you yeah. mean. Maybe I need to yeah. start confusing Netflix if I subscribe again. I actually canceled my Netflix. Yeah. Um, I had this idea, and Madeline didn't like it. I said that we should just use one and just look up movies from both of our perspectives and mm-hmm. totally confuse it. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but no, it's not. You know, and, and so like, what ends up happening is we get these, uh, you know, siloed into these like little like spaces that they put Mm -hmm. us in and they say here you watch this you know and it's really like frustrating because remember going to a movie store back in the day you would just i look around clay i just talked about this the other night um because i have i i recently got a projector and so like Mm -hmm. you put up a big screen up on like the balcony and then shoot the projector on it and we like turn the couch a little bit sideways and we could sit there and have giant screen and, and we hook up the Roku to it and watch mm-hmm. movies. And I was like, it sucks to know that my kids will never experience going into a video store, wanting one movie, settling for something else and totally loving it because mm-hmm. the other movie wasn't out or keep checking yeah. in to see if that movie's in and it's not. And okay, well, we'll just get this movie and they have that selection like that because Everything is there. It's always available. And my kids still mm. want to watch the same stuff. Not that I'm complaining because yeah. they like really cool movies like Back to the Future. So mm-hmm. um, they, they love those movies. In fact, my kid, the youngest one, probably would watch that every day. If that was the only movie he had, he'd be happy with that. Which, Back to the Future? Yeah. Part, <laughs> well, funny. They, and what's funny is each one of my kids like one of the three. And they're hoping there's another one coming out. And I had to explain to them that Marty McFly um, <laughs> has Parkinson's really bad. <laughs> and uh, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, I was trying to make a different point with the video store <laughs> thing. <laughs> was, was that when you walk around in the video store. You get to see all the other you, options. Yeah, I get it. You get to see all of the options. Yeah. yeah. And, and you Including walk around. The, and, and... the back room with the gross stuff. But Yeah, yeah. And and usually, <laughs> usually uh, you only saw people with trench coats walking out of that one. Normally, uh, yeah, typically. Yeah. <laughs> Just or kidding. your high school principal or whatever. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I don't know. That, that's, the, that's the biggest bummer of algorithms in general, you know. And then um, uh, here, here's an interesting thing, I guess, uh, is that uh, you've been seeing Sam, Sam Thayer been uh, freaking out about AI. Yeah, we talked Facebook? about that. I have not seen that on his Facebook. I've oh, yeah. really hit up Facebook. Honestly, yeah, Facebook I don't care for Facebook, but a lot yeah. of people do. 
or at least yeah. older uh, people. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's lame, but <laughs> you yep. know, if you if you use it like like okay, today I posted um, uh, my upcoming foraging classes. I I post. Uh, I'll purposely go to groups like um, Ann Arbor, like post like and post things like uh, there'll be like community message boards for places like Ann Arbor. Sure. And I, I post my class to those every you know once a month. Sure. And uh, today, today I posted that, and I got like ten people signed up today. You know, that's good. That's yeah. Good. So it's so it's like Facebook is important to me for um, marketing my foraging classes. Yeah. And um, but other than that, yeah, it's a dumpster fire. It's crazy. You know, um, you you like I like we already talked about will forage for food. The group I posted my um, my Substack and had people losing their marbles. Um, and then uh, Sam Thayer has been. Post, or uh, talking a lot about AI, and uh, he's been calling it a um, <laughs> uh, what do they say? A complex plagiarism software. <laughs> he's calling Chat GPT. Um, sure. And, yeah. and 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 actually, so I, I'll just say this: I have not weighed in on it. Um, he he said that he claimed there was no good use for Chat GPT, and uh, I think he I think he is like. A little bit angry at Chat GPT because of all the uh, AI foraging books coming out sure. and, and and that stuff, but I think that he is incorrect. Uh, I think that there is some good for large language models, which is which is what that is. Um, Chat GPT is not AI; it, it is a large language model, and it's just um, gathering up yeah. information oh, to that's give to all you. It's doing. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's it's a. It's a search engine, right? But it, it yeah. compiles everything and puts it together for you. Although you can do some pretty cool stuff with it. I've seen um, a dude, I was talking to him, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't really messed with it or anything. He's like, oh, I've got it. Let's come up with something mm. random and make it do it. And he did. Yeah. And, he, and he says, uh, can you make me a breakup text for my girlfriend as if Jack Sparrow wrote it? Oh, my gosh. And it did. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah. it was. It was funny because the dialogue was like Jack Sparrow wrote this breakup text and it's like, my heart needs to roam the seas and can't be anchored in your, like in the, in the moors of your heart or whatever. Like it was good. Wow. Um, but uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of applications to it. Did you see the newest one that AI, um, they, or I think it was Adobe or somebody used AI and generated software that could detect uh, photoshopped images within, you know, photos or something like that. Mm. Um, and then, like, I like all the memes because it's it's just funny, random stuff. But, like, some of them are like, oh, all these girls going to be uh, in trouble now or whatever, you know, <laughs> on dating profiles. And then another one was like, uh, what did it say? It was like, uh, all the people at NASA and it showed a dude just like sweating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like one of those, one of those like ones that uh, the moon, the moon is fake or whatever. Well, or, yeah. Or there's, yeah. Yeah. Or nobody's been to space thing. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm not saying nobody's been to space. I, I don't think that at all, but I think hmm. maybe in the sixties, we might've been in a little bit of a rush and might've lied about a lot of things. Just so yeah. You know. No, I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I think that um, maybe we we did go there, but then the footage was faked or something. I don't. Know. Right. Yeah. We don't know, yeah. and I'm not going to yeah. speculate that I do know, but I definitely think, uh, yeah, there's been some stuff. 
But then, like, yeah. now the, the AI and the deep fakes with, like, people talking. Mm-hmm. And then, like, so they take video footage of somebody that's real video footage. And then it can manipulate the video footage and make the person's mouth match yeah. whatever you want it to say. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Because now yeah. tying in, just like I said before, where AI can manipulate you, they can make it say something that pisses you off. Yeah. And then put that in your feed. Mm-hmm. And continually do that to the point where it's not a spark anymore, but it's a fire. And use that for social unrest or whatever Mm -hmm. the agenda or whatever it wants. And if it does discover self-preservation, like you and I have talked about this before, we're screwed anyway. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to be Terminator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Man, yeah. But but I guess uh, I just really feel like ChatGPT is a good tool for humanity. And it it redefines how people are going to write like, uh, papers from now on, though. I mean, how do you yeah, really I mean, know if if it refines it? Sometimes you could tell that AI wrote something, but not always. I I mean, I have messed around with it and said like, you know, write three paragraphs on wild parsnips or something one time, mm-hmm. and and it was just for my own like just curiosity. So, yeah, and 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 I looked at it and it was terrible. Like it was like you know like obviously something that was like not not good mm-hmm. as somebody who does like to write you know i i can't see i can't see people being like getting a sub stack and then like a like enjoying and actually liking the writing style of a robot true but if you I were mean, trying to spam a sub stack get it to where random people click through it all the time and then mm-hmm. put a bunch of ads in it i could see where it might work yeah, but I don't know if Substack. Uh, Maybe not a Substack, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 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 a, like a blog. Yeah, like a blog or something, and then did it to where, um, you know, your your search words or whatever came up through Google, you know, what SEO or whatever, you know, that yeah. popped up to where randomly it's just a bunch of people were happening to search whatever and click through your stuff, whether it was garbage or not. Just yeah. to hopefully find some information. I can see how that would work. Maybe. The thing, the, the thing I I just think is is like um, we should have labeling, right? Like it should say, yeah. it should say like written by by ChatGPT, mm-hmm. and it just so it's like out in the open. And if you like it, you like it, and if you don't, you don't. Like I fall more into the category of people who's like, I would rather something that I don't like be allowed to exist and then people be able to make the choice of whether or not they consume that like so-called invasive species once again (laughs) it comes right back to that clay but then again that's that's the difference between being open-minded and thinking your opinion is the only opinion that matters yeah that's the problem that's the crossroads we're at but has this problem only existed now in present time or has it always existed and now it's just amplified because people have access to a means of constantly berating people with their opinion 
I don't know. Uh, that's curious. I'm, I'm curious, you know, like for sure. Like did, did ancient Greek, you know, people like you voted for Socrates. Oh, I'm never yeah. going to be your friend again. <laughs> they might have, I, I, I could see that, you know, but yeah. now the only difference is, is they have, they feel they have more influence, right. To be mm-hmm. able to just go out and speak their mind and, and be a keyboard warrior and berate people over their own opinions or over somebody else's opinions, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a bummer. Um, but you know, the, the other day I was trying to look, look up this thing. Uh, I thought like none of this will at all make any difference either though, when our continents in some point in the future collide again, and then like all the plants exchange, you know? Yeah. It's or or be they like, get flooded out, or they. <laughs> yeah, um, but but that's the thing is like, for me, I've said it a million times in many of the articles that I write. I like to think in terms of like tens of thousands of years, mm-hmm. and, and not and not in these like chunks of like, you know, it it seem it truly does like seem like some people will think of like history as being like five hundred years, right? Like they think like white people got here to this country. Uh, 500 years ago. So that's the start date for everything in my mind. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's, I mean, one way to look at it. But what about, you know, the so-called natives that uh, also probably migrated here at some point and brought along a lot of plants along with them and planted them? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Who, Who knows? You know, native, walked across native the was, land bridge and mm-hmm. and picked up and planted things along the way. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it happened. Uh, 100%. It has, it has to have happened. Unless dun, 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 they were already here. Yeah. Maybe they, they were the original people. Who knows? <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody knows. I, I, it's all speculation. Yeah. But what I find funny is like how people will like especially in um, archaeological finds and things like that, they will stand on that hill and they will die on that hill. And anything that comes along, another theory, discovery, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all BS. It doesn't matter, right? Because what they believe in is the only way it ever happened. And then you find like a bison skull that's not supposed to be there. And, you know, or it's, or everything else is 2,000 years old or 2 million years old, whatever. And then there's like another one that's 500 years old, but that bison should have never been there because it was extinct and it was never native here. You know, mm-hmm. it's come on. Nobody knows. It's all a guessing game. Yeah. Uh, for sure. One time I read an article um, saying that they thought that Australian people were the first people. And and the uh, the theory, you know, it's like called the out of Africa theory, like that humans emerged from Africa a long time ago. Mm-hmm. This was like a some scientist guy claiming that everybody came from Australia and not Africa. And and just like you said, it's like who? How do you possibly know? <laughs> like yeah. how how can you possibly like? I mean, they say humans are three hundred thousand years old, and that's based on like finding chunks of skeletons you know yeah. and and then, and then they're like 
be like, well, this chunk of a finger. <laughs> yeah. Like... Well, that's like carbon dating. And the fact that mm-hmm. there's some theories out there that debunk and say that, you know, if, if the earth was covered in a lush canopy and the atmosphere had more moisture in it, and, you know, that canopy would protect from a lot of the UV rays. Therefore, things that we think are, you know, so many million years old really aren't. That they could really three. Yeah. But but nobody is going to back that theory if it debunks their theory and completely disproves all the carbon dating on everything that's ever been done. So explain this to me again. You like I got to I got to look this up. This is pretty interesting. Yeah. But so we'll we'll talk more about it. But I, basically, that if if the if there was a lush canopy and there was a lot more moisture and it it blocked a lot of the UV rays, everything mm-hmm. that we have our baseline right wasn't really, you know, twenty two million years old. It might be like two thousand years old from the time that the canopy was depleted and whatever. And that's where the start of the UV started breaking things down. The carbon. Okay. You know what I mean? Wow. So, yeah. So what if that's true? <laughs> but nobody, nobody, because every scientific thing that's been carbon dated would be completely disproven at that point. Yeah. And, and nothing else would, you know, every, everything would have to be rethought. Yeah. Why, why is it like that? Everybody's got these ideas that like have to be like they, that's like who they are, you know? Narrow mindedness, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, they're married to their ideas, you know, and like mm-hmm. um, somebody uh, it's ego. It's like big, yeah. big ego. Right. Like you would think that if you were in that science field, you would be like, I'm going to support whatever is scientifically accurate. Mm-hmm. But it's like they get into that position and then all of a sudden they're like, well, it's not accurate because of this and this and this, yeah. and, you know, they'll do whatever they can to like kind of dissolve another person's like, science well that's okay you know us talking about that just made me think of another guest and now we're gonna have to get him on but it's a dude that lives down towards southern illinois uh judd mccullum and Mm -hmm. and he actually found uh mammoth tusks and turns out that these mammoth tusks that he found are uh totally like disproves they thought it was already extinct and his pushes it like I don't know, quite a few thousand years. So now, now it's like 10,000 years versus whatever they thought for like here in Illinois. So it's like his are the oldest like found. Or, or you mean the youngest found? Or, no, no, it's, I think it's the oldest. So like now it pushes it even further back. Like they weren't here at a certain time or something like I think it's oldest. Okay. Or maybe or whatever it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's the other way around. It's like the the most recently found. So instead of being, you know, whatever, five million years, it's now like a million years or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I just just finished a book called, uh, it was all about Ada Blackjack. I don't know if you know who she was. She's Um, the chick that lived on whatever island, right? Uh, Yeah, Wrangle, Wrangle Island. Wrangle Island. Yeah, Wrangle Island. When was there was mastodons or whatever on no, it? No, 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 no. She didn't live when there was mastodons. No. How do we know but that? They, uh, because she didn't say she saw it. She lived. <laughs> she survived. Um, you unless say she that, was, but maybe she yeah, didn't know. What? 
maybe she was uh she was it's a cover-up she Absolutely. actually sur- yeah. yeah she survived and then uh came back and hid the identities of the uh, numerous mammoths that she befriended Absolutely. What if, <laughs> hear me out on this, just like Encino Man, right? Uh-huh. With Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Zer, not Zer, Zer. Uh-huh. Um, where she thawed out and then lived on the island and she knew how to survive on the island because she'd lived there previously and everybody thought like, oh, she was just lost here. Except for she came on a boat with four white guys. Whatever. Minor details. <laughs> it's a cover up. It's uh, a cover up. But yeah. So that was that was the last known place that um mastodons or mammoths lived. Yeah. So how about hear me out on this, the dude up in Alaska with the boneyard? Have you like oh, heard yeah. about this? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just keep uncovering stuff and he's got like mastodons with like half a brain still exposed that they can yeah crazy stuff hasn't has doesn't he call it going boning it does you're a boner now you're a boner <laughs> oh, you're, a boner. you're a boner if you find bones in the boneyard you are an unofficial boner i believe <laughs> yeah yeah uh and then um yeah he he had mentioned on joe rogan's podcast that the uh, previous owners of the land that he owns sold some of their stuff to a museum that dumped them in the East River or something. Smithsonian. And, yeah. And, Smithsonian. Uh, tons. 22 tons. Yeah. And um, did you see that they, um, some scuba divers found some of that stuff? Yeah, I totally believe it. But why did the Smithsonian do that? Let's talk about that. Let's get into yeah. that. Oh, why man. did the Smithsonian dump bones of giants? Actual giant bones in the ocean. Yeah. I don't know. Why did they do that? that I don't know. That, uh... I have theories. I have theories. Okay, but here's the question, though. I'm with you. Like, I, I 100% have, have looked up, look, looked this up, and I believe it. But um, just saying it, you know, I know that there's going to be eye rolls. Good. And but, I don't care. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what? <laughs> Once again, that's that narrow-mindedness. They can't yeah. ever hear something and just think or go, well, maybe, why? Why not? Because they have their ideas, and that's the only thing they ever want to hear. I have my thoughts. Are they completely okay. different than somebody else's? Probably. Okay, but um, so, you know, it seems like there's ample evidence that they actually did did have giant bones. Yeah. They did have, like, skeletons of extremely large hominids. Yeah. Um. On Earth, yeah, all are, over, and yeah, even where are newspaper they? articles, yeah, of this happening. Yep, I know. But then, but then they'll like vehemently deny it, and then, and then some people will just say it's like nonsense, right? Yeah, but now, if someone's biblical, right? Even without the Book of Giants in the Bible, but still being mm-hmm. in the Ethiopian Bible, without the Book of Enoch being in the actual, you know, King James version of the Bible, right? The the modern printed text. There are those books. They do exist. But without those books even, the actual Bible still talks about giants. And there are other texts throughout history that talk yeah. about giants as well. Yeah, so what what would be like this is why I always what I get up against this wall is like why would they care about us 
knowing that there were giants in the past. It's the same thing. I like. Why would they care about us? Like knowing that there are aliens. You know. Why would they care? Exactly. Unless there was something that they didn't want us to know, I would assume, right? Now, I could be completely wrong, but if you didn't want somebody to know because there's still something that exists, contains some type of knowledge that you don't want people to have. I mean, a prime example of that, whether you, you want to admit it or not, but like the Catholic Church in England and everything else used religion to control people, and that's why they oh, yeah. wanted them illiterate so they could tell them things without them actually reading the text. Yeah. That's, I mean, and you do that throughout history in, in many different circumstances. No, I mean, and that that's totally backed up by, by facts. You know, that's why uh, Martin Luther was so hated and scorn and excommunicated. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. how dare you write it so that the common people can read this? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's that. We got way side railed, which is cool because I love rabbit holes, but um, <laughs> it all does tie back to plants and people and, you know. <laughs> so, it, it, okay, here's a question for you more, more uh, on topic for our podcast. If giants were still around, would you hunt them? <laughs> Just the question is, would they hunt you? Yeah, probably, huh? Because according to some things, giants, so fee fi fo fum right? Like, mm-hmm. that's all about a giant. Yeah. And it's eating men. So chances yeah. are we, and so that's the thing, like, there's a lot of fairy tales and folklore and stuff that also goes with it. Now, folklore most of the time wasn't a hundred percent accurate, but there was some grain of truth within all of it. So, I mean, how, yeah. How about, uh, um, CS Lewis, you know, the Narnia books, w- one of those books, I believe it is the silver chair. Um, I've only seen the, the sil- movies as a kid. So, Oh, okay. Well, you're missing out, man. I've read the book series like 14 times, probably. It's because um, you're it, a bigger nerd than I am. No offense. Because <laughs> it's pretty well, cool. Because you know a lot more than me because you do read more than me. But, uh, see, yeah, but uh, in the silver chair, I believe, um, the main characters are brought in by some giants. And they're like, they're like, oh, like this is nice. And they're treating them really good. And then they go into the kitchen. They sneak in and they find that the book is turned to the page for the recipes for human meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally believe it. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's all kinds of stuff that we'll never know the answer to or we'll have a lot of uh, thoughts and theories and whatnot. And who knows, maybe we'll even get red flagged on this podcast for 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 our thoughts and opinions but i mean yeah that's all they are it's just thoughts random musings of two people sitting here conversing with each other uh listening yeah. to each other's opinions without arguing or losing our minds yeah oh um i can say something that was kind of cool um that's that actually is on subject is that uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago we haven't we haven't done a podcast actually in like a few weeks but yeah. um my my son and I uh, went out and absolutely cleaned a house, man. We shot uh, six squirrels and a raccoon um, in, in a single raccoon? morning. Yeah, the raccoon's all, all butchered up in the freezer right now. Oh, it's so like you we haven't have, eaten we have, it yet. No, we haven't eaten it yet. But uh, we, we cooked up all those squirrels on that day. Um, 
pulled all the meat and then I froze it and then got back from Miami and now it's thawing out and uh, we're going to do tamales. Very nice. Very nice. You need to do yeah. more like a more sauce with your tamales. I'm, I'm, yeah, criti- I'm critiquing them. They look like they're <laughs> mostly meat. <laughs> need a little more seasoning in there. Oh, oh, you're talking inside. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, you need some adobos kinda... or some, uh, you know, something. Oh, you know, it'd be really good. Mole. Yeah. Inside. Right, inside. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. That would be yeah, really like good, a red actually. mole, not like the chocolate one. Well, the chocolate one would be okay too. Dude, chocolate mole is, is what mole was, yeah, you know? But not anymore. There's like yeah. 32 <laughs> different moles. Okay. Including a, gr- yeah. a gringo mole. Yeah. Uh, what I always think is funny is you look at a mole um, that you buy and it always has wheat flour in it. And I'm like, okay, I know ancient Mexicans didn't have wheat. No. <laughs> it was corn. Yeah. It was definitely corn. corn. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. That's like when people tell me they love tacos and then you're like, oh, yeah, like cilantro, onion, like Mexican tacos. Oh, no. What? Cheese and lettuce. <laughs> Cheese and lettuce. Don't get me wrong. I like white people taco night too. But uh, I don't. What? No, I, I still don't. like a crunchy hard shell. But yeah, dude, I love tortillas and freaking meat on there. That's uh, you know, skirt sake, whatever with cilantro and onion. That's that's um, or lingua, whatever, yeah. whatever yeah, you got man. on hand. I can't. I can't stand. In fact, I never liked it growing up. Right, and then when I started. Um, you know, I was like 20. I started hanging out with Mexicans all the time. Mm-hmm. I got introduced to like what real Mexican food was. Right. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, because yeah, I not I, El Paso I, that, or whatever that's on the table all the time or Ortega. <laughs> yeah. I remember being a kid and just like hating, like we'd have, we'd have uh, tacos sometimes, mm-hmm. but it'd be hard shell tacos. And I just remember just hating it, like just being like irritated, like, oh, oh great. No, I still gonna... like him. I was talking to, I mentioned this, the <laughs> same thing, the subject we're on right now, and Michael Baker and I were talking about it. And he uh, said, he goes, yeah, we actually made burritos, but we called them tacos in my household, like flour tortillas and took them and, <laughs> and pulled them up with like ground taco meat with the package of seasoning and stuff. And he's like, I can't remember what he said sour cream and you know something and it was what they always put and i'm like yeah i love real burritos with like potatoes in them and weird stuff mm. you know but yeah i thought it was funny because he said like yeah we used to call those tacos i was like oh we used to call those burritos but you know mm. but yeah we used to do the hard shells like you're talking about but i still eat them i'll tear them up my kids still eat them too but that way yeah they prefer it that <laughs> really right now they're on a nacho kick Okay. Uh, nachos are good. Like I could do, if you made all the same stuff that's on a hard shell taco, but just put it on nachos. You're all good. Then it's all, I'm all good. All good. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to eat that stupid thing that falls. It always cracks down the middle and everything falls well, out of the bottom. You got to bake them. You got to like, <laughs> you got to crisp them up in a little bit in the oven and it kind of softens them up, releases all oh. those, all those homogenated oils. <laughs> seed oils (laughs) (laughs) okay well honestly i'm gonna tell you something maybe embarrassing that uh we never did that growing up i didn't i never even knew that oh yeah you gotta heat them up that's why they crack yeah yeah oh okay 
I've literally, I'm 41 years old. Never heard that in my life. I wouldn't want to eat one like that either if it wasn't heated up. <laughs> Normally you turn the oven on, you put them on like a, a cookie sheet and put them in there and then you take them out and mm -hmm. fill them with the stuff. Yeah. Wow. Oh, holy crap. Okay. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> now that, that explains reminds... a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I was sheltered with many things in life, you know, um, Here's another embarrassing tale I can tell. Let's uh, hear it. Um, so my mom is very religious, like still to this day and all growing up, you know, we lived in a pretty dang religious household. Like mm -hmm. I was not allowed, I was not allowed to listen to uh, secular music. Oh, wow. So, so like, yeah, so like, okay. yeah, we were, we had, I had to listen to like Christian rock. You had the newsboys. Like, yeah, I did actually. Yeah. 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 It's funny you say that. Um, and uh, so my mom, because of her zeal for Christianity, um, she told us all growing up that deviled eggs were called angel eggs. Oh, wow. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, to the okay. extreme of, yeah. Yeah. So then I'm out as an adult in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hadn't come across a, a party where there's any angel eggs yet mm -hmm. and i and i finally like get to a spot and there's like a whole platter of these things and i'm just calling them angel eggs because like i had no idea okay and everybody there is like looking at me like what is this idiot talking about <laughs> this guy's talking about angel. they're like these are devil eggs and i go what no no those are angel eggs <laughs> and, yeah. and i'm sitting there arguing with these people about what they're called and i was the one who was wrong because my mom misled me my whole life <laughs> yeah i i get it i see it my mom was never like that she's super religious and i mean i thank her for that you know in that upbringing but she was never to the point where she'd completely like change the names of things here's an example like the music i grew up on versus you then because my dad like my dad never <laughs> went to church or anything you know but like i discovered his old record collection when i was a kid <laughs> and like freaking just awesome stuff ted nugent's the uh, live at in 79 at hammersmith uh peter frampton frampton's camel uh joe walsh frank zappa right that's like the stuff i grew up on i mm. my first concert that was a real concert not a christian concert not that that's not a real concert but nobody would know who i was talking about if i said who it was mm. other than you probably but yeah. it was a carmen concert mm -hmm. um but then my dad took me to like my first rock concert, right? Um, and I was wearing a shirt today. In fact, I still have the shirt. I was wearing <laughs> it, and my kids go, "When did you get that shirt?" And I said, mm, "About 28 years ago." <laughs> and they go, "What?" It was the Jethro Tull T-shirt. Oh my god! And uh, they go, "Where did you get it?" And I go, "At a Jethro Tull concert." And they're like, "What?" I said, yeah, it was supposed to be me and my buddy, but uh, he got in trouble and uh, couldn't go. So then my dad ended up going with me because, like, we had it all planned out. We were going to take the train. We were going to go up there. We were, like, I think 14, mm -hmm. maybe going to be 15, something like that, right in there. 14. I think we were 14. We were going to take the train up to the city and, like, go to, you know, this concert and everything. And then uh, he ended up getting arrested, got in trouble. And then they're like, were you with him? I was like, I was with him that day. I wasn't with him when he got arrested, if that's what you're asking. Like, <laughs> no. But, you know, it was just like, you know, underage stuff that wouldn't matter if you're old enough anyway. You know, we all lived a different life. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So 
like needless to say though, like completely different ends of the spectrum there that my dad took me to a Jethro Tull concert. <laughs> There's just like I remember though there was pot smoke just like floating around once the lights went off, right? You'd see like a <laughs> flick of a lighter here and there and then all of a sudden uh, you just see like once the concert lights came on, there's just this haze floating, and I'm like, holy cow! Like, this is a <laughs> lot of weed for. And you know, back then it was illegal. Like now, it's probably no big deal, right? But yeah. back then it was illegal, and it was still the whole place, and it was just a bunch of old dudes. <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> oh, that is funny. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I when I was just in Miami, there were so many people just openly smoking weed on the streets. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. And uh, it's not even legal there. <laughs> but, they just don't but, care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's only medical in Florida. Um, I don't know. But maybe oh, they all had like yeah. glaucoma or something from the intense UV rays of the sun and yeah. never wearing sun. I don't know. Sunglasses. Yeah. Who am I to judge? <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, but before I forget, I actually do want to say uh, put it out there. Um, if anybody is a listener from Florida, and you are interested in helping me to identify local flora and fauna, um, send me a message. Hit me up on Instagram or Facebook or uh, send Luke an email. Or not, just to set us up. Slide into our DMs on the yeah. socials and yeah. uh, we'll go from there. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe they want to hunt with us. Maybe, maybe uh, we want to go kill some gators. Oh, that'd be really cool. Have you ever eaten gator? Yeah, all the time. I love it. Well, not all the time. I shouldn't say all the time. Used to go pretty religiously to a Cajun restaurant that used to, the guy used to fly the stuff in from like Louisiana. No way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. He used to go down there like twice a month and like handpick, you know, different stuff from different vendors and, and then have it shipped throughout the month to uh his restaurant and gator yeah that's super cool i've never eaten it so really? no idea tastes yeah like, i hate to say this kind of tastes like chicken <laughs> um that's like i mean it's good okay picture like if catfish and chicken had a baby that's what it would be like. uh, okay yeah <laughs> you're eating a giant uh, lizard yeah <laughs> Oh, man, I, I really want to try the iguanas, too, that, that are down there in Florida. Absolutely. You know what? Let's find some cheapo airfare, uh-huh. fly down, and, like, just take a rental car to the Keys, sleep in the car. Not like it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be nice anyway. Um, yeah. We just won't drink any Olipops or have any uh, fartichokes. Uh-huh. And, and we'll be good sleeping in the car or on the beach until you get kicked out. Um and just kill a bunch of iguanas and come back. Like, come back with a cooler full of iguanas. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, the tickets that I found to Florida were uh, 63 bucks each for a round trip. Yeah. So that was pretty... I, yeah. That's what I'm saying. If we did that and just spent, like, a weekend and mm-hmm. then took a rental card, like, down to the Keys from Miami, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be bad. I don't know. What is that? No. Like, Four-hour drive, maybe? Yeah, we went down to, I think we got as far as Isla Morada or whatever. Isla, in the, Isla, yeah. Is it Isla or just, I don't know. I don't know. I call it Isla Morada, but. I can't oh, okay, know. yeah. Yeah, we were there. We went that far. We took our rental car down there. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, I didn't see any 
iguanas, but I didn't, I also was like, we were just kind of like looking for a spot to go swim in on the beach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And then we went to a Thai restaurant. So wasn't really looking for a, uh, a iguanas. How was the Cuban food? Cuban food was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I can't believe how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like uh, the contrast to like how I was eating, you know, mm-hmm. I was like doing the carnivore, like Cuban food, and actually a lot of the food in Miami in general it seems like it's very carb heavy. Beans, a lot yeah. of beans, and a lot of rice. Yeah. Well, and then plantains. Plantains, and, yep, yep. And then yucca and all that, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, I but I felt great. You know, I still feel so much better with carbs in my system. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So there was a point in time to where I eliminated all carbs other than like vegetables. Mm -hmm. It was like two weeks. I went pretty much paleo, I guess you would say, Mm -hmm. but like modified, like anti-inflammatory paleo. Mm -hmm. That was rough. (laughs) I did that. Well, I ate that way for almost a year, but like it might've been like the first two months there would be a certain time of day where my body would almost just like, it'd be like 1030, maybe 930 in the morning. My body would just be like, <laughs> like somebody turned the dial back on the energy and like, I just felt like a bag of D's, man. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, that sucks. And then uh, how long? it lasted for uh, like about two months. And then I ate that way for almost a year though. Wow. I felt great eating that way. I will say once I got to that point, but I would also mm-hmm. like, I would eat like for breakfast, for instance, diced sweet potatoes with like onion and kale mixed in there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like three, uh, eggs over easy on top, whatever. So it wasn't, oh, that like, sounds delicious. Oh yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> it was great. Some yeah. garlic thrown in there, whatever, you know, sauteed in the skillet and then the eggs thrown on top. Like I was eating good mm-hmm. and my body knew it, but it was like getting over that carb hump first where yeah. you didn't have like that, like from rice or whatever, you know. And for a while there, like I didn't eat breakfast foods for breakfast. I would always eat like a meal of whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so my body was kind of used to that too. So it was a bigger shock. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to start doing wild food Wednesdays. I think I'm going to actually um, start posting about it to keep myself like, you know, on it. I got to start making a post. So I remind myself to do it. But, um, I was actually thinking today, like, I wonder if I should to make it more challenging, like, like cut out wild rice. Cause I have, I have right now I have like enough game meat and wild rice that you know, I you could survive easily... the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, but I'm just saying like, I kind of want to make it more of like a challenge, <laughs> you know, but, but maybe, maybe not, maybe I'll like, I'll get sick of eating wild rice and game meat and maple syrup. Yeah. You know? you know what I'm looking forward to? And I hope it happens. I really, really do. Cause the other day I, I, uh, applied is a bison. I put oh, you in, applied the other day? I put in again this year. Um, Where? now South Dakota, it's actually, it's okay. on a reservation, but it's like mm-hmm. large, they're free. It's a free range herd, but they pretty much, you know, stay within the boundaries of the, and they migrate out or whatever, but there's still always bison on this land. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then it, it, I know it's not like a huge hunt, but to me it's just cool because there's like this old sense of, you know, what was, what used to be, and being mm-hmm. able to do that. That makes sense because a lot of people yeah. are like we talked to Donnie Dustin. Donnie was like, "Well, you know, I don't really see bison as hunting, blah blah blah, this and that, because of you know, one, it's not the true species anymore. It's probably intermixed with cattle or whatever at some point, and then like repopulated that way or whatever, uh, you know, and then and then mixed back with other bison to try and get all those characteristics. But it's it's not even that to me. It's just like the sense of history, the sense of knowing what was on the mm-hmm. landscape what is and what was and being able to be in what was yeah if that makes sense uh, well i mean geez plus bison would be so good well not <laughs> to mention yeah it's not like it's being fed a bunch of corn or you know gmo mm-hmm. corn or whatever I, they probably don't even spray the grasslands that it's eating um so hopefully. so how many people get one of these tags you know i don't know so the way it works, because it is a reservation, but it's a managed game population, it um, it goes by member, non-member, but it's like member, um, like a tribal member, and then an affiliate member, and then a complete non-member. I'm a complete non-member, so I have less of a chance of mm-hmm. getting one than a member, but a member... I think if they get one, they can't get another one for like a couple of years, two years or something like that. So it does kind of give you a chance um, within there. And I can buy extra points like they they get a tag for free, I think. And then, you know, I put for all my chances, it's like 10 bucks a chance. I Plus, I can buy five chances and I get an extra chance or maybe two chances because I didn't draw last year. So I'm looking at wow. like seven to ten, seven and seven, maybe ten chances somewhere in there. Um, to to be able to hopefully draw. Dude, that's awesome. So that'll be really cool if I do that. I just mm-hmm. gonna have to have somebody film it. Hopefully, you know. Yeah. And then just uh, yeah, and then be able to. And I'm debating because it's hard for me. I don't really want to because one, I don't want to spend the money, and I I don't really mount um animals. I've got a lot of like European skull mounts and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking I want to mount the bison just because it'd be really, really cool. But mm. at the same time, I'm like, mm, maybe I'll just get the skull and like mount the skull. You could put like a red LED inside of it so like it glows, you know, <laughs> like backlight <laughs> up against the wall. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Bison skulls are so big. Yeah. Those things are very enormous. So is a bison mount though. Yeah. But, but I just think it'd be really, really cool, you know. Um, Ways to piss off your wife. No, she said, she's like, I don't know. But nonetheless, I'm going to keep the hide. I'm going to have the hide tanned and make like either a blanket or a really, really cool coat out of it. Oh, man. Got to do that for sure. Which one, the coat or the blanket? Uh, Either one. I I think a bison coat, either a grizzly bear fur or a bison coat is in like my bucket list. Dude, my bucket list would be doing the thing Meriwether Lewis did is uh, get a bison robe, a tanned robe, and then literally sleep out on the plains in it like a like a sleeping bag. Like Donnie Dust does. Yeah. When he's not he's sleeping sleep- in a squirrel's nest, he's sleeping in a, <laughs> or a Sasquatch sleeping bag, whatever he said it was. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think it would be pretty cool. Um, but that's like, so then do you get like claw buttons or what do you use, the bison horn? For the buttons, know. you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, all these thoughts just in my head. 
Hopefully they let me use my bow. I, I think they would. If not, then I'll feel like an actual uh, train car guy and using a rifle and use it. <laughs> of course, it'll be like a trapdoor forty-five seventy or something, you know. And that way, I'll feel like just a genocidal mass murderer of a bison. Uh, so, so this is like on a native reservation, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like a managed herd, Correct. and they have like open prairie to roam on but i'm imagining like what like how many like fifteen thousand, twenty thousand acres or something or there's two parcels or, I, I don't know i could look it up yeah. okay um, well either way like, i just didn't i didn't know if it was like you know because like sometimes people will kind of be like downplay high fence no i don't believe this is high fence at all okay um, yeah yeah Well, yeah, I don't want to tell people what one it is because then, like, everybody will apply and ruin my chances. Yeah, I don't apply this yeah. year. You know what I mean? Some things have to be kept secret, but um, if they were gotta, willing to yeah. do their own research, um, there's two units. One is, I think, 15,000 acres. Clay, I don't know how you knew that. Another one is <laughs> 6,000 acres. Oh, wow. Okay. Still but, pretty big, yeah, though. Thank Yeah. yeah. Um, but man, um, I gotta apply for uh, Kentucky elk. Ten bucks. Is it ten bucks? It's ten bucks. Did I already miss the window? I'm like so not on not on my ball with that stuff. No, yeah. no. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe let's look it up, Clay. So then everybody knows to apply for it. And then they yeah. can screw up our chances of drawing. It doesn't matter. There's so many people that apply for it. What I find funny yeah. is um, people out west, because everybody goes out west naturally, because that's where the largest populations of elk are. Yeah. Um, you know, and people are like, well, I need to apply just so I can let you guys get a taste of your own medicine. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Whatever. You know? <laughs> like, not a big deal. Good for you if you draw, you know. But people yeah. make it a big deal like they're, you know trying to give us Midwesties a taste of our own medicine. Yeah. Does Illinois have elk right now? Um, like a reintroduced. So the only in areas, I think there's one up North. Um, and it's a very small managed herd that mm. is fenced in. Oh, okay. Like we have bison in Illinois, mm -hmm. but it's fenced in managed herd. Um, actually, not too far from me. It's like wow. pretty pretty close. Oh yeah, I actually used to live right um, two minute walk from a uh, bison farm. Oh, there's like yeah, no. Th I mean, yeah. this isn't a farm. It's 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 a the herd gets to free range within the fence, which is a large area. Um, yeah, I mean that's just, that's what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, the same same thing. But it's like I don't know, maybe 200 acres. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it might be a couple thousand acres around, or at least a thousand acres. Like it's a lot. It was an old uh, munitions plant that oh, got cool. turned into just fe it's federal lands. It's not state lands, which was cool. Like during COVID, when mm -hmm. our state got like extremely crazy and had a super knee jerk reaction with the fact that like let's close down the woods. <laughs> because hunters don't socially distance from other hunters they congregate i'm still i'm still mad about that i am still yeah. super 
bitter about the fact <laughs> that my turkey tag got taken from me and I never got reimbursed or anything. Really? Yeah. And it's not even the fact that I didn't get reimbursed. I don't care. Those money, the dollars go to conservation. You know what I mean? Or at least most of it yeah. is earmarked for conservation. And I'm cool with that. But the fact that it wasn't like, we're sorry, you're guaranteed to get a tag next year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just completely ignored me about that. That hurts. That what hurts Illinois. Man. There's still salt in that wound. <laughs> so what's it say about Kentucky? It's loading right now, but mm. Kentucky um draw is earlier than previous. Oh dang. The draw opened up January first. Oh. <laughs> okay. Season is October fifth. Um Oh, no, wait. What? That's weird. Why does it say that? And then it says, earlier than previous annual start date of January 1st. Okay, so, oh, no, that's the season. Permit application opens up August 1st. Oh, oh, dang. So you you have to apply in August, and then if you find out, you just got a real short window of time to But it says, well, it says August 1st, a year before the hunts, and continues through April 30th in the year of the hunts. That's a very long application process. Hmm. Okay. From four months to nine months. So it's open for nine months. The application period is open for nine months. So it starts the previous year in August. Okay. So this year in August, we could apply for 2025 hunt. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, it's 10 bucks. Uh, hunters may apply for three, all three permits if desired. So that would be like a general tag, either sex tag, and then like archery or something. Yeah. Or a, a bull only. But man, that's not bad. Five yeah. to ten percent of elk permits go unclaimed each season. That's what it says. What is what does that mean though? Like they So somebody draws and they don't pay for the permit because it's ten dollars to apply. The permit itself isn't ten dollars. So it's ten dollars to apply and if you draw, mm-hmm. you have to pay the rest. Well, Which is like six hundred bucks? Yeah, it's still not bad. I think it is. It's like six hundred dollars or something. Yeah. Uh I mean that's a lot of money for sure, but uh... Yeah, but it's a lot of meat. I mean if there's mm-hmm. if you're successful now, chances are you wouldn't be successful. That's one thing you have to understand about Kentucky is a lot of it's private land. It's not all mm-hmm. National Forest or Bureau of Land Management land or whatever out west. Like out west, there's tons of tracks of, you know, millions of acres that you can hunt. Yeah. It's not like that in Kentucky. You know, you've got a few National Forests and stuff like that, but... You know, if you don't have a guide that has access and and leases with people to where or like some type of access agreement to where mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, we can hunt this farm. We can hunt this farm, you know, because we're going from this public land onto their farm or whatever or using their farm to get mm-hmm. to some public land that might be landlocked or something. I could see that would be a problem and you wouldn't be successful and then you just waste the tag. So if it's something like that, honestly, you'd be better off hiring a guide or an outfitter, which might be you know, four or 500 bucks a day. I don't see it taking more than that to get on an animal anyway. Yeah. It's a lot of meat. A lot yeah, it's of a lot meat. of meat. I've been applying for the Michigan tag for about seven or eight years and 
That's a really yeah. small herd, though, right? Like, I mean, it's uh, not... yeah, I think uh, two hundred people get a tag each year, and then yeah, ten. That, out... That's pretty good, and only ten mm-hmm. are successful. No, 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 ten out of staters. I think, I think, is what the, if you are applying and you're from and you're not in Michigan, I think something like that. I don't know. I Have you encountered the elk herds in in Michigan? Oh yeah, when we were picking uh, chanterelles. Uh, a couple summers ago out out in Vanderbilt, which is like really close to where the herd is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, we saw four beautiful bulls in a in a in a field eating grass. Really? Yeah, and uh we were just picking chanterelles and then, you know, drove down the way and yeah, man, awesome. It was super cool to see that in Michigan. No. Yeah, that would be cool. Now you got me thinking I need to apply. What if I'm that one out of Sater? I wonder what the regulations are for that. Do you happen to know? Like, do do I need a license to even apply for it? Or is it something that I can apply for and not have to have a license? Uh, I don't know for you. I, I don't know. Um, but either way, I know that if you apply and then get a bull only, you can't ever apply again. Oh, it's a lifetime. So, yeah, so it's a lifetime. That's how they lower the amount of people applying, right? So, like, anybody who gets that tag is not getting it again. But if you do get a cow tag, which is probably what I would go for. I, just, I don't care I, I, either way. Yeah. Yeah. So, if I get a cow tag, then I can wait 10 years and then start applying again. So, you know, might oh. be able to in my lifetime, you know, get yeah. two. No, that's cool. That That makes me want to do it. <laughs> but I tell you what, I, I, I really am bothered, though, with how they they run the elk in Michigan and that they keep them contained into one area and they won't let them go out. So, like, everybody that gets to hunt them, they're encouraged to hunt at the edges. You know? Encouraged because you, yeah, yeah, I get it. You want um, yeah. they don't want them the from migrating out. Yeah. And, Due to and agricultural think, reasons and just stuff highway like that. collisions. And, and, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, so they want to keep them in the Pigeon River State area. And are they pretty uh, they, much maintained, like in the yeah. area? They don't yeah. really get out. No, not really. <laughs> Sad. It's, yeah. It almost makes you want to take some horse trailers. Allegedly, not that you would ever do this, but just start moving like one bull and three cows somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying I would do it or anybody else should do it, but if you live in Michigan <laughs> and you don't really care, and you you know. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy? Somebody, like, wakes up in Sleeping Bear Dunes, and they're like, here a, a bugle el- in September? El- that would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why. It it bothers me. Like, all the other states have elk, you know, that and, and they allow them to roam free. Yeah, right? no, like, honestly, how, like, in, in Illinois, I wish they would reintroduce elk. I mm-hmm. wish they would reintroduce the black bear. Wait, um, your black the black bear is not in Illinois. No, really, because Michigan numbers are through the roof. Apparently, no, like, no. not that I know of. Um, you take some of ours. Here, here's I think. So, the bears, or really anything else, would have to make it across like the eighty ninety four corridor right there 
because that's like the northern tip of Illinois, right? That separates mm-hmm. the other states. And that's just such a massive highway system. Not to mention there's not a lot of cover for them. I mean, it's all concrete. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even, even the the neighborhoods and what it's neighborhoods, um, you know, very. Well, urban. What about what about migration from the south? I mean, there's got to be bears south of Illinois, right? Not many. The most of them were driven to, to near extinction um, hmm. throughout the south. Missouri, um, Arkansas might. I think Arkansas. No, Arkansas does have bears now. Missouri mm-hmm. might if they're migrating down, but I, I'm pretty sure most of Arkansas doesn't even have bears other than like right on the Arkansas-Oklahoma border there. Hmm. <clears throat> and that was a reintroduction, which was successful. But yeah, wow. I mean, like to think about, and that makes me sad though, because mm-hmm. can you imagine being like Daniel Boone yeah, and and seeing the decline then, right? But like being on the leading edge of it, knowing that you're taking part of it, making a living off of it, but at the same time noticing the decline, and then people mm-hmm. like us never even fathoming. Most people don't even stop to contemplate that or think about. It. If you're a non-hunter, mm-hmm. do you think they even take the time of day to think about that? That it like these animals don't exist here. They probably think they never did exist. Yeah, but there used to be plains elk just bugling and screaming and bison everywhere and black bears, yeah, like wolves, all of it, and now uh, none. Yeah, Dan- Daniel Boone was killing elk and and buffalo in freaking Kentucky, cutting the humps off and just eating the yeah. humps. Yeah, like for real, <laughs> shoot an entire bison and let it lay to waste, cutting the hump off and roasting the hump and moving on. you know what i'm saying but there were so many of them it it didn't matter but it was as more people started coming out that it did did make a big difference but that's that's nuts man i know pretty crazy important message for us um but either way it is uh currently for me no uh, we don't care about bedtime yeah it's time for me to go to bed but with that (laughs) with that in closing stop and contemplate that folks urge your legislators and your uh, local fish and wildlife to maybe start reintroducing things um, so we can have it for at least my own selfish reasons that I want to hunt them, but also because I would like to see the landscape somewhat restored and maybe not so much of the spread of uh, concrete, but the spread of wilderness. Yeah, man, I I think that that would be awesome, actually. And I, I, that's sad that you guys don't have bears. I didn't know that. No, I I thought the bear numbers were going up all over the country. No, cause... we have mountain lions. Mm, okay. Uh, well, yeah. okay. I I can't say that we have them. They're transient. Yeah, or so they say. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that, and now it could be the same cat on the camera that you see in a 20 mile radius or 30 mile. I mean, yeah. they, they go like, what, 200 and something to mate sometimes? Like, it's a crazy amount. But, yeah. But slowly starting to see more and more, nonetheless. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, that that is uh, it's kind of freaky to think about. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have them here, too. And, uh, yeah, uh, I've been more and more just thinking about I, I need to start, like, packing heat while I'm out in the woods. Stay <laughs> strapped or get clapped, Clay. That's the bottom line. <laughs> also, P 
PSA to everybody other than stay strapped or get clapped because that's real. That's real. <laughs> On the real, folks, stay strapped or get clapped. And also, don't be so narrow-minded. Give somebody a yeah. chance. Sit down at the table. Have some coffee with them and discuss things in a civil manner, nonetheless. Don't yeah. let your head explode and wish somebody else's head explodes, too. And with yeah. that being said, we're out. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you.